No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. out I, and I, snorts I think and sneezes. I got my coughs out. Pretty much. We did? I Well, I got mine out. Apple? 
I still have some, but I'll keep them in reserve. Okay, yeah. Hold on to them till later. Hey, now, No Simple Road family, what's up? What's up? It's Saturday. Whoa. What? No Simple Road's here on Saturday? We're here on Saturday. We decided that we were going to slide into your weekend. Slide into your DMs. No, we're not not in your DMs, but we're in your weekend saying what's up. Slip sliding away. Hey, check this out. What? Lauren Murphy and Deb Gravian are our guests today. Heck yeah. This was an incredibly intense, insightful, and real conversation that went down. Absolutely. And yeah. again, Dennis, we owe you yeah. a gratitude of Dennis thanks. McNally coming through. Always coming through, coming through to bring us these amazing female voices. Um, they both have albums coming out, or they have come out um, by this time. It's taken us a while to get this one to mm-hmm. you. Uh, we had it in the... We had it in the... In the hopper. In the hopper. (laughs) In the can, as they say. Um, Deb Grabian's album is The Soundfield, and Lauren sings on that album as well in what's called The Angel Choir. And then um, Lauren Murphy has a new album out called Psychedelics. That's right. And that Psychedelics album is uh, pretty rad. And there's two uh, Hunter, Robert Hunter songs on there. Um, One of them is called Catalina. And the other is end of the world blues. So I don't know. I mean, I think maybe some of you might be fans of the Robert music Hunter of Robert Hunter. Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. What <laughs> if do not, I know? you should check it out. Yeah. Then you will be. He's pretty cool. He wrote some neat stuff back in the past. But yeah, these are two incredible women that very powerful women. That this was the word I was just going to use. Yeah, this was powerful. Powerful stuff. in their conversation. Powerful in their music and their ideas, and it was a very enlightening. Also, conversation intense. Yes, and the music is equally that. And um, you know, these are two women that have been friends for many, many, many years, and uh, you can. In this conversation, we have both of them on the phone. Obviously, you can you can feel the connection between the two of them and yeah. the, the, the simpatico. It's a uh, Dennis never misses with us. Like he sends us stuff, and then when we meet these people, it's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. I see why Dennis. And this one was completely unexpected. I don't think we knew very much about no. either of these women, and when they came on, it was just like, wow, this is time for us to sit back and listen to what these incredible women have to say Mm -hmm. yeah and since then i've seen like they're really active on the social media scene and and you know deb is playing it they did a um if you want to check them out on youtube they did a dual cd release party at sweetwater it was still during the pandemic there was no um there was no crowd there but they did an amazing performance at sweetwater and uh, that's up on YouTube if you want to check it out. And make sure to go check out um, The Sound Field, Everywhere That Music Streams, and also check out Lauren Murphy and, and Psychedelics. That, and the album art on that, Psychedelics. I was say, the album art's awesome. Is, is that by, isn't that by her daughter? Her daughter, yeah. Yeah. Liva? Yep. Yeah. And Mark Karen is a co-producer and plays some stuff on here. And it's uh, pretty amazing what the Grateful Dead wider expanded Grateful Dead universe and family puts out into the collective musical consciousness out there. It's oh, yeah. super dope and it's an honor to be a, 
a platform to help spread the word for that. It really is an honor to be a platform to get this kind of stuff out. You're a platform. (laughs) That's right. You're going to jump off you, Mel. No, you know what? So like I said, you know, it's Saturday and uh, we just decided to slide into your weekend and and say what's up. See how y'all are doing. Uh, If today, while this is out, what's the date today? The 10th? The 10th. So 710 going until the 11th on Instagram. Uh, I just did a post. There's a giveaway going on. If you go on Instagram to the no simple road, uh, Instagram page and look for the post with the flyer, the no simple road flyer, there's a little contest going on. Maybe you could win some no simple road merch. All you got to do is comment and tag a friend and smile. Everybody knows how to comment. Yeah. It's easy to make a comment. Give me a comment, Apple. Why I really like you. Thanks, Apple. That feels good. My dopamine just started dripping. See? Ew, gross. It's reassuring, <laughs> isn't it? That comment. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a thing. And then also, check this out. On um, Monday. Yeah, that's the day I'm looking for. Monday, we are going to release... Uh, conversation with the one and only Chris Pandolfi. We're going to be talking to him tomorrow and we're going to release the episode on Monday. So here's the deal. If you listen to that episode, there's going to be an audio Easter egg and you got to listen and find the Easter egg and then shoot me a DM with what the Easter egg answer is. And we are going to take all the people that answered and assign numbers to them, put them in a random number generator and two lucky people are going to win a pod add-on pass for Yonder Mountain String Band and the infamous String Dusters at Horning's Hideout to come hang out with No Simple Road in our pod and boogie with us at our first show back in 16 months. That's happening. Boogie in the pod. (laughs) Those are things that I never... Two years ago, it'd be like, dude, you want to go boogie in the pod? It'd be like... What does pod what stand for? About? Personal outdoor dance space? I don't know. Oh, I mean, there's pods like you move your stuff into, the storage unit pods, pods like a... Pretty outdoor con- dome. Container. People overly doing it. No. No? People okay. on drugs. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. Wow. All right. Cool. So, yeah, you listen to the Chris Pandolfi episode. You find the Easter egg, DM No Simple Road on Instagram, pray, cross your fingers, rub your rabbit's foot, do whatever the thing you do, and then you could win an add-on pass, do a little, pod pass. A little blue, bluegrass jig. A shuffle. <laughs> yeah. So that's what's going on. And then also, remember that No Simple Road is part of Osiris Media. Osiris. Go listen Osiris. to all the other amazing podcasts on Osiris, like Undermine, like Alive, uh, Alive Again. Again. Like inside the musician's brain with Chris Pandolfi, um, all the amazing podcasts that are on there, and don't forget to support the No Simple Road family of sponsors like Define Premium Cannabis here in Portland, Electric Fish Lights at Electric Fish Lights on Instagram, Shop Tour Bus, and and what's the other one? Sunset, uh, Sunset Lake, Lake CBD. CBD. Yeah, man, they got some. They got a new thing going on. This isn't even really a commercial. I just saw it yesterday. They have a tincture. A CBD oil tincture with melatonin. Ooh. Well, so go. for those of you that need your tonin mellowed, you they are got all you set. covered. So check that out. Sunset Lake CBD. And I always have my tonin mellowed. You do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So check it out, everybody. We're just sliding through, like I said, three times now into your weekend with a little extra something, something. So we're going to let the ladies do the talking now. I'm gonna, The boys are going to shut the hell up. That's right. And, them uh, girls say what they got to say. We're going to get you to the interview. So without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Deb Gravian from the Sound Field and Lauren Murphy of Psychedelics. <laughs>
I did it. All right. Let's hear that, it for that, me. That's why Yay. we call him our conductor. He figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. I'm Aaron. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm going to have the other two that are here introduce themselves to you, ladies. All right. I am one of the co-hosts. My name is Mel. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mel. Hi, Mel. Good to meet you. You too. And then you have the third member, the other co-host and their friend. I am Apple. And that is my last name. That's why people call me Apple. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. He's also morning, a li- little round and red, too. Yeah, I am a little round and red. <laughs> <laughs> so how is your, your day going, ladies, today? How is everything going down in, in sunny California? Um, not so sunny, <laughs> which, is, which is actually... Not a bad thing. It, it's kind of clouded over, and that's good uh, because tomorrow the North Bay and, and all the way down to San Francisco is supposed to get some light rain, which Lord knows we can use. Oh, yeah. Yes. Before the summer comes and fire season starts. We live up in Portland, well, Oregon. We're, we're, so. already in, we're already in drought again. Oh. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Ladies, will you um, do our audience the favor and honor of j- introducing yourselves and letting everybody know who we have on today? You bet. Lauren, you want to go first? Sure. And I just want to let y'all know, I'm coming to you from uh, Mobile, Alabama. So oh. I have a, uh, I have a San Francisco area code because I'm forever 415. I lived there for 20 years. But my name is Lauren Murphy, and I've got a new CD out called The Psychedelic Psychedelics. My band down here is The Psychedelics. We've been together for almost five years. Uh, but yeah, greetings. Greetings. Yeah. <laughs> And hi, this is Deb Gravian in San Francisco, California. The band is the Soundfield. Uh, two-thirds of us, my husband and I, have been together since 1976, playing music together. <clears throat> and uh, we've got our second CD out, uh, which is called This Moment of the Storm. Um, and we, we're, very, we're very proud of it. And Lauren sings on it. Massively. Okay. She's all over the place on, on This Moment of the Storm, along with three other women singers because I'm the whole album really is it, it's I want to put women's voices forward it's a thing 
It is most definitely a thing. Thank you for doing that and arranging that. Well, it's the it, the liner notes for both of our CDs are available at soundfieldbound.com. And if you've got about a half an hour to sit down for a really deep dive, epic read of liner notes, um, I think you, you, you might enjoy it. it. At the very least, it does explain just why I'm so fierce about getting women's voices out there. Uh, Lauren and Kathleen Salvia also, you know, are, are front women with their own original songs for uh, a side project that I put together called Nasty Women, Bad Hombres. And it's <laughs> with the people Donald Trump loves to hate. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Nasty Women and Bad Hombres. Yes. And, and you know, the guys, the guys rotate in and out, and, you know, you know, sometimes they have Holly on things with us, but it's all about putting women's voices forward. And that's, that's something I'm curious about. The liner notes explain why. Wow. That's pretty, like just starting from that point, forget about the music for just a moment, but just that, <laughs> that mission is super important and so fantastic because a lot of what we say can actually heal. And if you're putting together a collaboration of women with great music to boot, what a wonderful healing effort you're putting forth. I've been, I've been fierce on this one. I turned 67 in June. um, And I've been fierce on this. I mean, feminism, all inclusive feminism and the fact that no, I am not anybody's property or any second class citizen you know, and that is the hill I will die on if I have to. But I've I've been doing some some flavor of that since 1967 when I was 13 wow. when I got beat up by a cop. Oh, um, shit. I don't think he was intending a raging out of control feminist to come out the other side of that encounter, but that's what happened. So <sighs> if they're going to be creative, you might as well take that particular rage and memory of rage. But you see it in every possible aspect of society. Misogyny is just reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And, you know, if you if, if you're remotely susceptible to it, the gaslighting that goes on is just absurd and totally unacceptable. And why not combat it creatively? So can if you, what, you know, if that's what you do, can you give at least maybe a couple examples of the gaslighting that you've received, because I'm sure that this is relevant for more than just you in your life. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, I tend to call it out immediately. Okay. So people who are likely to do that cross the street when they see me coming. Um, I left, I mean, this is during 2016, for instance, I left Twitter a few years ago because the place is a cesspool, Mm -hmm. especially if you're female. Uh, the toxicity levels are through the roof. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I get the 2016, I got death threats, oh, you know, from, from both extremes. Um, it basically, I, I had, I had bros, I had Bernie bros, uh, threatening to come to my house and rape and kill me. What so I posted fuck? a photo up on Twitter of myself with my crossbow going, sure, come on over. You Bring want it. the address? Oh, Bring it. Yeah, you know, come on over. I'll give you the address. So it sounds, it sounds like on you, Twitter. you go into these places to uh, clearly not just to cause problems, but you're trying to create change. 
Is that well? I I'm 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 a woman with a voice, and that is not a popular thing. Mm-hmm. I have language. I'm not afraid to use it. I don't, you know, I'm one of those bizarre people who really does not feel the need to be massively loved by strangers. Um, I have, I have a huge amount of respect for other people's opinions, but they have to earn that respect in the same way, you know, I should, I think that they should, you know, expect me, you know, to, to, to earn it. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm big on earning stuff. If, If nobody owes me anything. You know, it's just you know if you if if you want to make change then go out and be changed. Um, Jack Ferry, I'm a small talk fairy. Neither of them were invited to my christening ceremony. They were out 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 in the uh, the woodshed, you know, right. puffing away at cigarettes and plotting my imminent death because they weren't invited. <laughs> so I'm bad at small talk and I have no tact whatsoever. On the other hand, I don't ever deliberately hurt anybody. So it's it's do no intentional harm. You do, you know, do no intentional harm, and if you unintentionally do damage, you try and fix it, and you apologize for it honestly. We have a and saying, there's a lot of that that, that is just not accepted out there, especially from a woman. They yeah. do, people don't like it. We have a Too saying bad. around the house here: "Do no harm, take no shit." And That's it. Right. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, and, um, and you, you know, know, if I may interject, yeah, please, I, I want to just. Uh, this is really a male-dominated industry that Deb and I are in. Music is, is highly, highly um, male. Oh, yeah. Um, so when you've got the power to use the voice, um, there, there's also this, this ageism where, oh, um, where where men can continue to keep gigging and they, they age and they look wise and sexier and all this. And, you know, I, I'm in my 40s. Uh, Deb says she's in her 60s. This is audio art, and, and this is about a message getting across. And to me, that has no expiration date, and that shouldn't be based on what you look like on the outside and all the sexism that's thrown into the rock and roll music culture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You, you, that's that's my, my sister from another mister just nailed it. She so nailed how it. did you two, like, uh, come together and, and begin to collaborate? I mean, clearly the mission of, you know, women's voices being heard, but how did you make that first introduction? Lauren, you want to tell it or should I? I love the way you tell it. <laughs> Throw your two cents into Lauren though. When, when she's done. Oh, <laughs> I, I, and when she talks, I tend, I tend to zip my lip because she says good stuff and intelligent stuff. Um, we met for the first time at a Mark Karen show. It was a Valentine's day show back around, what was it? 2014. In 2014, because I just dropped the record. Right. 2014. And uh, Mark Cowan, uh guitar player with Rat Dog and his own batch of Milo Puddleduck and former producer and session player down in L.A., uh, lives up here in Northern California. Of course, you know, played with Bob Weir for 13 years. Um, and Mark and I actually knew each other going back to about 2006. And he and I have collaborated on four songs that are on his upcoming new CD. Called Welcome to Your Life, and that, that's going to drop shortly. It's his second solo. Okay. Um, but he was playing a Valentine's Day show, sold-out show at the Sweetwater Music Hall in Mill Valley. And uh, our friend Jerry Horn, I think it was, had come up with the theme for it. And the theme was love songs and murder ballads. 
Okay. Well then, <laughs> here we go. So I was, I was, I was at, I was at the show because um, yeah, Mark, you know, basically one of my songwriting partners. We, I mean, anything we co-write are songs that he does. Um, he doesn't collaborate on mine. I do my own, but he and I collaborate on his. Um, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the cafe, Sweetwater, and in walks this amazing woman and she's holding a Taylor guitar with, with, with the cord draped over her shoulder, you know, in, in one hand and she's walking carefully and we stopped. She stopped. She was walking. I was sitting there with a pan of my locally very famous, very dark chocolate fudge just for anybody who wanted some. <laughs> and she looked, no, I'm serious. And she looked at me and she said, I know who you are. You're Deb. And I said, I know who you are. You're Lauren. And we all smiled at each other. And there was this cosmic click. Oh. I mean, a little boom. Switch got thrown. You could you you could have heard this across the bay. I mean, it was boom. And Lauren was there. She had she come out. She had just just dropped um, El Dorado, her, her first solo CD. I think it was was that your first? No, it was my third. Third, there you go. But but in post in the, her first her first solo CD after Judge had died. This yeah. was you know this was a celebration of her husband Judge. And the song that she was going to do, you know, guesting with Mark, was her wonderful cover of Dreadful Wind and Rain, which, of course, is the American version of Cruel Sister. And uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm thoroughly into, you know, ancient music, um, what's, you know, ethnic music from, from Britain, from Scotland, Ireland, from, from France. I mean, I, just, I love that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like tracking the history of it. We got into a conversation about that. You know, like two, I think it was it was two days later. Uh, she and she and her daughter Liva, you know, came drove down from El Dorado County, spent the whole day at, at uh, my place in San Francisco. I made us lunch. We sat in my music room office and just talked for hours. And it was so. It was so calming. It was so zen, and I'm not a zen human being. Mm-hmm. You probably gathered that. Um, I don't do I don't do passive or passive aggressive when when I'm <laughs> you know this is just like you know you, you, this, I'm the other side of that balancing line on yin yang. Right. I, you know I I have a voice. I use it. That's what I've got it for. And she and I just sat there with Liva and played with the cats, and we had lunch, and and you know I had guitars and whatnot in the office. And we just talked and talked and talked, and it was like, yep, 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 right down, right down to the fact that she and Judge and Nick and I are all we're all the same astrological sign. We're all Cancerians, and it was just like we talked about that because it's a thing. And um, I got the invite to come up and spend the weekend um, on Murphy Mountain, as they called it, um, just to hang out and, and maybe do some songwriting. So you know, I tossed my Martin in the case and. Made some, made some goodies, baked some goodies, and, and you know, up I went. Um, it was a fairly momentous weekend. In a lot of ways, uh, I wrote a song that is on the first TV, yeah. uh, the bucket list, that Lauren also sings on, called This House, that is actually what she had been going through with, with the, trying to deal with, with a lot of acreage now the judge was no longer there to, mm-hmm. to, to help. You know, yeah. and plus they had just come through uh, Kingfire and all the hills around their, their acreage. You could see the scars of the fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, wow. it, it, it was just terrifying. 
um, but you know, we on the last night I was there, it was a Sunday night. Liva went to bed, and Lauren and I sat down. And she grabbed her tailor, and I grabbed my Martin and opened the laptop, and we started talking. You know, I said I've had this line in my in my head. You know, everybody says, "Oh, time is a river." And yeah, it is. But if you personify time, time is a damn thief. That's what time is, mm-hmm. you know. And Lauren was like, bam. And then, ooh, can't you just see him as one of those riverboat gamblers? You know, those guys, they know the house always wins and they will mess you up and everybody. And I said, buffer line one, line two, and here we go. Oh, wow. And the song, It's About Time, came to be. And this was literally, this was a 50-50 effort on both words and music. Wow. We each did about half the lyric. We each wrote about half the music, and you know, Liva came down and shouted at us because we were giggling and, and writing and, and strumming and singing Stop and keeping fun. her awake. <laughs> yeah, so we we took out we took them, right. We took everything the, the laptop and and the guitars and our glasses of prosecco down to the guest room, old guest suite, which was in the very bottom of the house, the basement, with a door that opened to the outside. We finished the song down there. We finally let Liva fall asleep two floors up. And took a, a very grainy phone selfie, which is again up on up on the Soundfields website under the liner notes for how the song came to be. And I should mention it had been dry up there. I mean, it had not rained in months and months. And God, months. I think it was more like years. Deb. I mean, uh, oh. nothing. I mean, maybe we'd have like two droplets, but it, oh, it was so dry. It was just a dry mountain night. And we finished this song, and it was just very hard to fall asleep because it was like, ooh, it's just, just wrote a song. It's, you get a creative buzz. Lauren will attest to that. You finish a piece of music or you finish a story. You finish telling a story, and suddenly I'm a storyteller, and you just get this buzz, this thing. It's like, oh, so satisfying. And then you have to, your, your blood, your blood, your creative blood is just banging and you just have to slow everything down and come down a little bit off it. And I was just burrowing to the pillow and I heard Lauren pounding down the stairs. <laughs> Liva did not wake up, fortunately, because we really would have been screamed at. It was <laughs> 2 o'clock in the damn morning. And, you know, and she comes down, she's pounding down the stairs at work nine, calling me, Dad, Dad, and I said, what? She was, we did it. I know. What are you? And she threw open the door from, from the guest suite that leads to, to the outside. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Got out of bed, you know, stood the, the porch, the veranda that ran around the house, screened the basement door from it. So you, could, you, know, you weren't getting anything except the roof of that. But we sat there and we watched the rain <gasps> for about 20 minutes. Oh, soaking God. the apple trees, soaking the acreage. We brought, we, we, as I said it in the line notes, we were the song and we were the so damn good, we brought rain. Yeah. <laughs> I am really yeah. excited about these dang liner notes. I am going to go back and read every word. Oh, yeah. The, the bucket list liner notes are intense. And this moment of the storm, I got really intense. I mean, I come from a generation where liner notes are absolutely were absolutely a thing. You I'm, found I'm with them, you. Right? In records. I said, oh, I got friendly with Charles Shar Murray, half the, you know, the John Lennon stuff, all those line notes, Charlie wrote those. Um, it's also how I found out who had composed the song, and this was years ago, decades ago, my father turned me on to this. 
um, David Bowie's album. Uh, I think it was Space Oddity. There was there was a track with some amazing acoustic guitar, and even then, at, at age sixteen, it was like this is not Nick Robinson. Who is this? My father said, "Are there liner notes?" And I said, "Yeah." And, let's see. and a guy named Keith Christmas was playing acoustic guitar on that, and I went, "Wow, this is this is one hell of a guitar player." Read the liner notes, and you know, called a couple of radio stations and a couple of folkies, you know, that that were friends of my sister's in New York, and we tracked down. It was Keith Christmas, and he. And he had an album coming out, and I bought it the minute it came out. And the, the name of the album was Fable of the Wings. And that song is on the bucket list. I hadn't heard it in 40 years, and David Lindley suggested that I come up with an arrangement for it. And that if there was time in the studio, because we did a one-day thing, three songs. And if there was time in the studio, we could do a fourth song. Uh, and we did. All in the one session. So liner notes led me to that. My father was a huge fan of liner notes. He was a musician. So, you know, I was, this is how you found out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, Lauren, you're old enough to remember that, aren't you? Just oh, barely. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, my um, my love of liner notes, I think, started with, like, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and um, right. Temple of the right. Dog, Soundgarden. Yeah. Yes. And really going, okay, what are Grunge and alternate. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> genetic. what's going on with these guys what's their creative process who's on the record exactly yeah well with the with the internet with the internet it came full circle i mean they kept shrinking the packaging to get more onto you we went from the full lp with a cover where you could reach in and pull out this tiny little printed both sides sheet sometimes but it told you what what you needed and wanted to know then they went to cassettes then they went to CDs, and it was oh, and it's getting smaller and smaller. And then smaller. it disappeared, and then all of a sudden, it's MP3s and streaming, mm-hmm. and the internet has no limit. You can write as much in the way of as you want to. <laughs> there's there's so something I, to be yeah, said just, for pulling out on an LP. I remember like buying an album and opening the double album up like like a book, and reaching yep. in and pulling out something that was way thicker than the album itself. And it was, yep. and it, it was, I would say 50% of the experience of, of listening to the music was knowing what the liner notes said when you were listening, because it added an element to the music that you didn't ritual have. to it. Kind of. Well, you can, you can do, yes, you can certainly do that, you know, for the sound field because the liner notes, they're specific. There's there's a big long introduction as to who and why, and this is what I feel about it, and this is why I feel this strongly about it. And here are the people that I'm playing with, and here are the people that I wanted to play with. And I got, you know, they're, they're all there. And then it's individual song liner notes, and you can click on the song title under the song title. There's a link, mm-hmm. and that takes you to the lyrics. Oh wow! So that if you're streaming the song or listening to your, you know, listening to your CD or whatever, and you get to you get to across my kitchen door, not only can you read the full description of how and why that song came to be, but also click there's the lyrics. Mm. So it's I I I I've just taken liner notes and lyric sheets and just made them interactive. That's all. I just because I miss the experience of. 
it was like a Christmas present or a birthday present, yeah. wasn't it? You go out and you buy a copy of Magical Mystery Tour when it first comes out. I don't know how old everybody is, but I'm, I'm for me, you fi- know. We're in our 50s. Mel's in her. I'm 42. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, she's the same age as my daughter. Aww. Um, but, yeah, but there you <laughs> But, yeah, this is, it, it's almost, really, it was almost like getting a birthday present. You, know, I, I remember going out and buying, I think it was Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme. Simon and Garfunkel's mm-hmm. album. And there was the single sheet of liner notes. And I don't even remember what it said now, but I remember reading this at age 13, 14, and my jaw dropping. You know, yeah, I, you know, and I, I remember like my father like, coming home with something of Santana's. My father was a huge Carlos Santana fan, he, you know, and coming home with hot, ah, got this album, and you know, there's no liner notes. So it's like I, I grew up with them, and something something really bright and beautiful went out of out of you know buying music for a long time, but now with the internet. You can be as wordy as you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the, I think about like bringing home Zeppelin albums, and like, oh yeah, like I said, half the magic was in that, and you know, also the art, the, the art that went into there. A lot more went into the art for the album. There's nothing like going to the record store and looking at the artwork that used. There's a lot more yep. attention that used to be in the artwork. Oh, I used to do that. I went to LSU and Baton Rouge. I grew up in the South before I moved to Northern California and there was this great little college kind of underground record store that was just right off campus. And I would just go in and start looking at album art and I would specifically be like, well, that one looks pretty cool. Yep. And I just take a chance on it. Nine out of 10 times. Uh, it was a damn good record. Um, and I wanted to actually mention, um, this is my fifth record, uh, psychedelic, but this is the very first, record i've done that does not have a picture of either myself or the band on the front i love the cover um, yeah the album art is oh, beautiful thank you yeah, saw, my daughter liba uh, did that really yeah Whoa. i read that she How old is woke us up, yelled at us because we were keeping her awake and she had to go to school the next day <laughs> how old is your daughter she's 17 wow. wow that is that's one of the things when i saw the album i was like whoa what's in here just like what we were just all talking about like what is going on in this album that this is the cover to you know that it's it's captivating live is amazing live is amazing says her virtual aunt okay (laughs) (laughs) her aunt from another mother i'll call Lauren, my sister from another mister live she has her she's catholic in her talents let's put it that way i've watched her do aerial work I mean, not, not drawing it, but doing it, mm. you know, it, it, ribbon and rope climbing and gymnastics in the air. I've watched her do that. Okay. She's in, you give that girl pen and ink and she's unbelievable. Wow. You know, it's just, she's just every, every time she, she picks something up that's, that's physically or visually creative. I mean, Lava got the best. She got, I think she got those seeds both from from both parents because she's just she's blooming she's blooming like the big yellow roses in my garden right now she's like it's just she's fabulous and her art her art is just unbelievable liva should be on with us destroying pictures yeah (laughs) (laughs) where are you girl right right i want to yeah 
she's cruising around with the other uh, cool little teenager, um, her friend Megan. They're both kind of artsy alternatives. <laughs> like we're, we're I'm, I'm leaving. She put on her leather jacket and her combat boots. <laughs> <Off she laughs> <goes. here. laughs> I, I take I take great pride in I take great pride in the fact that uh, uh, Liba and Lauren watched uh, we we did a, we did a duo CD release party recently a show live stream from the Sweetwater in Mill Valley it's it's my home venue I know Lauren loves it and you know it's it's going back going back to the seventies I mean I, I I loved it in its old location too but I really really love the Sweetwater where it is now and the setup and it's just just it's just mine it just works you know? uh-huh. and i love it so we did you know we did a a live stream double cd release party um the core band was the Soundfields rhythm section that's just my husband nick on bass and larry lucy on drums and uh, mark Harron on guitar and henry salvia who plays piano on both cds plays keyboards on both both cds hers okay. and mine um so they were the core band and i had i had my two of my four favorite women singers were right there with me. I had Lauren on one side and Kathleen Salvia who has unbelievable pipes. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. On the other side. And I love the fact that after we were, you know, after the thing had gone up and we had like 4,000 people viewed this thing. It was great. Um, Lauren texted me from Alabama to say, we're watching, we're watching the sound field set again. Liva says you're a badass. Uh, <laughs> I think that might have been said around here today, too. Mm-hmm. The, the, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to interject. I was going to ask you about that, but you brought it up here. I I really enjoyed last evening. I usually do this for an interview. I sat out on our patio up here in Portland, just beautiful evening, having some wonderful wine. And I watched that because it's almost it's, it's just short or a little over three hours. And yeah. the performance mm-hmm. was just amazing and very empowering. It was one of those things like after a few glasses of wine, you helped me, uh, you helped me empower my feminine side in a way. <laughs> I was sitting out there getting, awesome. getting emotional and stuff and listening to it. I'm just curious to that. Was it a stream? Were you able to have, was there any audience there or was it just a stream? Well, it was the, the, the thing is I, I really like, I like, I like doing these, these people, almost people free streams. They are, they're a really interesting experience for me and I really kind of dig it. Wow. I mean, I like the crowd energy too. The only audience we had on this one was Dennis McNally, our publicist, his wife, Susanna Millman, who is a world-class photographer and who is taking pictures. And our, you know, our old friend Eugene Yvonne came down um, with his camera and he's, he's been doing everything from music to sports photography for years. So we had, we had the two roving photographers and our publicist and, uh, the four staff. Um, I feel, I feel more performers than there were people, but that, that was fine. I mean, this was the energy I got, I get the, I get as much, as much of the energy, the feedback energy that, that clicked back and forth. Yeah from the people I'm playing with. Mm. Oh. I got I, I should I should put something in here just 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 to make it really clear. Um I can't make a lot of people have been telling me for years, oh, you need you need to make more eye contact with your audience. And my whole problem is is that I've got multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. and before they got it under control, the damage was done to my left arm and left hand. The signal to the brain 
doesn't really connect there. It's no longer an automatic reflex. Right. So instead of my fingers doing something and then transmitting that information to the brain, I had to train myself to relearn how to play where that's reversed. I have to have my brain deliberately tell my fingers, okay, this is a G suspended ninth. Move the pinky there. And and I I had to learn how to do it fast. Um, It's a really good discipline for me when when I'm playing oud or I'm playing my bottom massage because the oud has no frets. Right. Your fingers are supposed to instinctively know where you are on that short scale back neck with no frets. Um, and it's different on every oud because they're in different scales and tunings, and I've got four of them. Um, so having to tell the fingers what to do means that I can very, very rarely look away from what the fingers are doing. Okay. It's, it's uh, not uncertainty, and it's not I'm not avoiding my audience's eye. I'm not avoiding my band's eye. It's just that if I take the brain away from the fingers for too long, the brain says there is no signal from the hand, and everything stops. It's not happening. Wow. Yeah. So, so you have to try. As close as I can get to, close as I can get to explaining it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. you got to adapt to it, what works for you. Well, I wonder, does, too, yeah. like, in a situation like playing in Sweetwater, what you ladies did, I would think in a soup of energy at a regular show where there's a crowd in the band and you're up there, it's pretty hard to differentiate what's what as far as energetic input goes. What's the crowd? What's the band? It's just one thing and it's happening. But in this situation, I would imagine, like you said, you're getting just as high, if not higher, on the energy of just the band because maybe because you're able to focus solely on that thing. You think that's what's going on? Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, it, it's... Ooh, how do I put this in a nutshell? As I say, I'm, I'm a storyteller. And a storyteller and storytelling and songwriting are two completely different things. You can... So, you know, songwriting is a craft. Mm-hmm. It can teach you how to do that and you can write a song. But if you're telling a story. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Human curiosity is the thing out there. Um, And you being real is what satisfies the curiosity that makes people want to hear a story. And making that contact that, that energy contact with Lauren when she's standing next to me, with Kathleen when she's standing on the other side. Nick, who I've been you know playing music with since December of 1976. I like to say he's the only bass player I can trust to turn my back on. <laughs> <laughs> um, right? <laughs> you know, Larry on the drum. Mark, who I have, you know, I, I have played with in every situation from, from recording, because he's produced both of our CDs and he plays guitar all over them. 
um, to sitting down, you know, on, on, on in his living room in Marin County with lyrics and a couple of guitars and coming up with a song like Breathing Room, um, which I suspect you guys will be hearing shortly because um, it, it's Mark's favorite of the four that we wrote together, and it seems to hit a lot of universal nerves. But just sitting down with him in the living room and doing that, you get this energy from a different kind of storyteller. Oh. Everybody up there with you, or with me, I'm sorry, I shouldn't generalize like that, but for me, mm-hmm. everybody up there with me is up there because with music, you're telling a story and all of them, all of them, all of us, we up there, we understand that we are in service to the story telling, not the other way around. The storyteller makes no choice. Yes. I I get it. Exactly. You, you, you birth a story and how it, how people, how people respond to it. You know, um, I mean, I've, I've been going back and forth in email, and Lauren is so going to be in on this. Oh, my God. Um, I've been going back and forth with, with Mr. McNally in email because I have, and Lauren inspired me to do this. Uh, I've, there has been one particular Robert Hunter song that I've wanted to cover since 1977 or 78 when he did it with Roadhog. Okay. Uh, I live band at the time. They played Northern California quite a bit. They were fabulous, Rodney Alban and, and Jeff Tambro and Shelley Rothstein on vocals, and they, they were a killer band. Um, but Hunter has a song, has a song called Ariel, which nobody else recorded but him, and the version that he recorded on Tiger Rose didn't work. It just he had he had written a song and told a story, and it was one of those rare occasions for him where the story scared him. Whoa! And you can hear it. You can hear it in the playing. You can hear it in his uncertainty. When he sang the song live, he screamed it, which buried it. didn't work. Okay. And when he re-recorded it, because he did go back and re-record his vocal on the album, mm-hmm. it killed the song. It killed the passion in it. He was, he was, he couldn't quite wrap himself around the song. And I think most songwriters have done that. Lauren, have you got anything like that where you write one and you go, I can't get around this. I can't do this one right. I'm going to put this one away. I find that that it's interesting because there have been several of those. And I think sometimes uh, we channel experiences in our life that we're not ready to fully process yet, whether that is a traumatic experience or something that's just so powerful. Uh, And then, you know, maybe a decade passes and you revisit it and you play it that's been happening a lot to me lately. And honestly, Liva, the artist here, my daughter, um, she'll hear me practicing some of my old stuff from the 90s. And she'll say, Mom, why aren't you playing that? That's a great song. I'm like, I, I just, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I thought it kind of sounded good. But, it, but now, you know, when you get wisdom, when you get a little further down the road in life and you have more experiences, mm-hmm. I think reflection helps um, revisiting those old works. Um, so who knows? You know, maybe if Hunter had actually gone back and revisited Ariel at some point, he he may have done that. But um, you know, we no longer have him with us, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I, I mean, well, the thing to point out there too is that midlife makes things imperative. 
you get into midlife crisis and you can't duck a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a song on the bucket list, bucket list ghost that was written sometime in the fugue state worst year of my life ever, 1976 until December showed up and Nick showed up. But that was written sometime after the breakup of a very tumultuous on again, off again relationship with Nikki Hopkins. And when I wrote that song, I was 21 or 22. I don't remember writing it. Um, Mark said it took his, you know, first time I played it, it, it took his feet out from under him. He said, he said, you just killed me with this song. Um, Dennis, you know, and Dennis, Dennis's emails tend to go, hi Dennis, if you're listening, Dennis's emails <laughs> tend to start out with one word. You know, mm-hmm. can I confirm or question or something? Right. Yes. <laughs> when I, yes. Right. When I when I sent him when I sent him some of the you know the the earlier recordings of Ghost, the song that I wrote in '76, um, I got I had an email with the subject line. I cherish this. It said, "Just so you know." I said, okay, that's different. And opened it and he said, "I I had to walk away and not listen to any music for a couple of hours after Ghost." He said. That's some powerful juju there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but t- taking that, you know, taking that, taking that full circle where I was, where I was going with with Ariel, um, we've, you know, uh, we've we've been working up a version of it just because we're at core work, we're, we're a trio, we're just three of us. It's me and Nick and Larry on drums, um, and you know, we, we've worked up a couple of early versions of what I want to do with Ariel, and. I sent, I sent, you know, the most recent one, which is beginning to show the dynamics of what I want to do and where I want to drop and where I go big and where all of a sudden the big, full Mixolydian de-open strum becomes this sharp, urgent little three-note picking. You know, the verse in there where Hunter goes, you know, as wild and an unholy place as any place I've ever been. And you can knock and knock and knock and no one comes to let you in. No oh, one comes. Shit. You know, and that's that's the beginning of the the last batch of of story. And what, what you know, do you working what do you... out the dynamics? And I, I sent the, the the video we did, you know, just in, in the in the for Bandfast. I sent it off to Dennis, and he said, "Maybe I'm more sensitive than I thought I was." He said, "It's interesting that what this version because he knew he knew he knows Ariel, he knows the song, he remembers it. Dennis has been around dead forever. Oh yeah, and he loved it. He said." You know, because I watched this, and the first thing that came into my head was Trick of the Light, which is a song from our new CD. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. There's a little poke there. It's not the one that would have triggered me if I was listening to, to our version of Ariel. I would have immediately brought across my kitchen door to my brain. But it's interesting. The minute you create something, you're sending it out into the world, and whatever you meant when you wrote it and sang it and recorded it, doesn't matter Mm-mm. in the end it's always going to be interpreted by whoever's listening yeah, i'm translating it through my own experience i'm exactly. when i'm listening i don't know what you know i only hear what you're saying my own experience and perception yep. and biases and non-biases and morality whatever are filling in the mm-hmm. gaps for me so it paints a different picture but i want to ask you something about your opinion on hunter because in my life, I haven't come across another songwriter that's prophetic on that level. That 
I don't even know how to say the words to, to say what I mean. Like I've never come across another songwriter that whose lyrics have grown up with me that way. And I completely agree. Um, what is that? I think Hunter um, is is almost, you know, the Mark Twain of of the music world. He has, but he's gone further. It, um, he not only embodies the human condition, he incorporates the spirit and the evolution of our life along this road of humanity, which is not an easy, there is no road, no simple highway between the dawn and the dark of night. No simple road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I have I have several song artists that I think do that, but I'm coming. Let's hear them. I would love place. to hear that. Well, I mean, let's see. Richard Thompson. Okay, wow. Richard Thompson. No, and and anybody has anybody in the world out there listened to Paul Simon and not been punched in the pit of the stomach? Okay, at okay. some point down the line, but True. yeah, Paul Simon. We have Richard. We have Richard Thompson, Paul Simon, Joni Mitchell still scares the hell out of me. Joni is amazing. Joni scares the hell out of me. She just, you know, I, I just, it's like, wow. I, I remember, I remember what I was going through in 1972, and. You know, Blue came out, and it's not even my favorite Jimmy Mitchell album. You know that that would be for the Roses, which I just, which which pretty much, you know, <laughs> yeah, that 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 album just. I heard it in the wind last night. It sounded like applause. Did you get a round resounding for you way down there? She is, you know, it, it's it's about the nonsense of the music industry, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 in fact, you know, the, the power structure and, and how all she, you know, I'm not ready to bite the hand that feeds me just yet. Ooh, I mean, she's, wow. she's brutally honest. And I mean, that's, that's, that to me is, is a, a real thing. And frankly, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Bob Dylan fan. He's done some stuff that I, that I really love. Uh, Phil Oaks, Phil Oaks killed it. He killed it. He absolutely killed it. You know, you look outside your window. There's a woman being grabbed. They dragged her to the bushes, and now she's being stabbed. You know, maybe we should call the cops, you know, and go outside and help. Oh, I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody but a small circle of friends. The dislocation of humanity and our selfishness and our unwilling, uh, unwillingness to put ourselves out if it causes us any discomfort or any inconvenience. And that was written, what, 1963? And it could be, wow. it's, yeah. it's an That's, anthem for right now. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um in song along along those lines purely accidentally Tom oh, Petty okay yeah you know the, the, the thing is I mean I I I grew up I grew up listening to we, we had a wall of three or four thousand vinyl you know LPs in the house mm-hmm. and this was open to me this was my you know, my father was a musician his hands had been crippled from type 1 diabetes he couldn't play anymore but Music was a thing, and books were a thing in our house. It, we, it was it was that kind of household, and so again with the liner notes, you know, Joan Baez did not write a lot of what she sang in the early '60s, but I was completely unsurprised when she wrote Diamonds and Rust. You know, she, I said there, it's been sitting there, and I understand it. It's been sitting there, right at the bottom of her diaphragm. Every time she sang a cover of somebody else's song or a traditional, 
this thing has been sitting there right at the bottom of the diaphragm Wait wanting her to sing it, but she hadn't written it yet. And you got just, and I, I'm asking you to take my word on this. I can smell that from no. two miles away because I'm a storyteller. Well, it's, it's been what your I do. life. Yeah, no, I get it. So that's what I do. It's in my veins. Right. So where does my a song, DNA. where does a song like Psychedelicize come from then? Oh, that, um, you know, that one is really interesting because, um, that one came to me. I, I, I exercise, uh, it's kind of one of my meditations and deep breathing, um, similar to when you're singing. I was out on a jog and the lyrics just hit me and, uh, we were going through a real rough period, um, with the band. Um, our guitar player was uh, suffering from opiate addiction and, um, I love him so much. He's, He's since clean and sober, and I'm so proud. It's been, I think, nine months now. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Yeah, yeah. He had to, you know, take a step out of the scene. Uh, but he's, you know, he's still active. He's teaching music, and uh, uh, he's he's playing with a church band, and uh, he's booking shows. But we've, we've got a good new replacement for John. That, um, so he, yeah, it's not time for him to step back into the scene yet. Um, but I was so worried about Dawn and, um, you know, kind of reflecting on that, like, how, how do you, how do you throw out a line to somebody when they really need to help themselves? And, you know, also you, you look at all these people that are, you know, social media is, a, is an addiction. Yeah. Um, a lot of people numb themselves down with any, any kind of Dumbo feather that they need to, to fake it till they make it. Um, you know, whether that's religion um, or these delusions of grandeur. And um, I'm a big Ram Dass follower. You know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, my late husband, uh, Judge Murphy, passed away uh, with a cancer and organ transplant failure. Uh, really, really sad. We were, we were, we did music. We were together for 14, six, married for 14 years, together for 16. And, you know, we were bookends. We were definitely twin souls. Um, and I'm still, you know, it'll be nine years this September that he passed, but, and I'm still dealing with trying to deal with that grief. And you know, Ron Doss, who helped found, found, uh, save the foundation with Wavy Gravy, um, I got to, to meet Doss a couple of times um, and have had the honor of doing the save the benefits for uh, Wavy a number of times. And, um, you know, when I first got to California in the mid-90s, I picked up a copy of Be Here Now. Um, and so during this whole time, with, you know, going watching John with his struggle, me struggling with my, my grief, I'm, I've seen other people in my community struggle with their own stuff. Uh, I reached for Ron Doss's book, um, Walking Each Other Home, which is about dying. Mm-hmm. And um, I went, you know what? You know how to deal with this, Lauren. This is this is your psychedelic roots. Mm. And, you know, psyche, the true definition, the Greek root of that word, psyche, delos, is mind manifesting. So whatever you're thinking, you're going to actualize that in your life. Um, so that, that was kind of my plea to the modern world and what everybody's dealing with. We've, we've lost a lot of people in the last year yeah, yes, to addiction, have. to suicide. This, this COVID isolation really, uh, really brought out the demons in everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, this morning, right before y'all called, I was sitting on the floor meditating <laughs> and listening to a DOS uh, podcast and trying to get my center on something I do, you know, even if I can take 10 minutes out of my busy day. But uh, psychedelicides, that is my plea. We, we all need to put out some positive mojo and stop numbing ourselves down, stop dumbing ourselves down, and realize that this power of the mind, that's what's going to get us to be able to live life fully and be in harmony with one another. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. you just, you said a mouthful, but I want to go back to something that you said about, you know, the, this has been a pressure cooker for, for all of us. And, um, yep. it, it's brought out the best and the worst. And, um, I, I know for us, like when we started doing no simple road, there was no, um, I didn't have a grand plan. I just was telling my story and then it, we just kept going and started talking to people that we loved and a community grew out of it. And we realized that we were caretakers of this garden that we had planted knowingly or unknowingly. Now we're taking care of this garden. And when in the midst of COVID, I would say maybe, six months in, I was really having a hard time personally, um, being isolated and, uh, not having live music, which is our fountain of youth and just all of it. And I knew that the people that listened to this podcast were dealing with the same stuff because we're all human and we're, we're in that same field. And, so I was asking Mel and Apple, I'm like, what do we do? Like, what's next? We have to be able to bring something to this community that we have that will be some kind of something to, to help us get through this, to help us move forward, to help us carry on, and also to put our best foot forward going into the future, whatever that looks like. And the minute I said that, it started this cascade effect of synchronous events of people showing up literally on our doorstep of that have the ability to bring that out and, and to share that with the community that we have. And I really feel like you two are part of that is my long winded way of saying thanks. Cool. Yeah. I just I, I think I think we are at a point in time, um, a point in evolution, a point in human existence and planetary existence, where we just what we just experienced was one click of the wheel. Mm-hmm. Everything that was sitting on top of the wheel kind of fell off a little bit. Yes, and it becomes an evolutionary moment. See, um, I'm. I have I have virtually no left brain component at all. If you manifested my mind, you'd get a garage sale. Okay, <laughs> I am. I'm, no, no, I'm. I'm serious. I am. I am. You know, I, I suffered through school with this because in the 1960s they had no damn clue what to do with a right brain learner. Um. So what, what everything I do tends to be 
from the gut, from the instinct, from all those tight little ganglia at the base of the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, and since, you know, I've got, I've got 36 discrete little lesions on my brain as it is, I'm not sure you'd want to manifest that. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> tricky. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, but I, it, it, not only is it no simple road, it's not a single road either. No. No, there's plenty. I mean, I'm, my whole thing is I'm, I'm going off in that direction. This is what I'm going to do. I have no idea what y'all are going to do. I'm not trying to lead anybody or convince anybody. I'm just doing what I do. Right. But that evolutionary moment, that click, I think started before COVID. I think this started around 2016, um, where, you know, 2017 really, where suddenly it was like, boom, okay, you look around. And you identify your extended family immediately, and you know. And the minute you do that, you say, "Okay, what is needed here? How do we nurture each other? How do we feed each other? Mm-hmm. How how do we make this this carass a safe place to be?" And you know, it, the, the 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 thing of the thing about hope and glory is that it's everybody. To, to get the end you want, at least a very high majority of humanity has to be willing to try or try or buy into it. You have to. Otherwise you just you get you get what we've had just with a bigger separation. Right. And that may be the way the species is going. I really don't know. Hell, in the end the virus may mutate several more dozen times and the virus may just win. It's just because we have right now human human projects human man-made objects outweigh everything else on earth. That that just blows my mind. Okay. We're such consumers. We're such users. Every time a human baby is born, every other living living thing on earth has to make room because we're going to consume resources and probably consume it. Um, So I don't think this can be all about us. I don't think this can be all about our species. Um, but that's just me. You I, know, I'm not, I'm not it, it, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I can't go down the road of following anybody. There's, there's nobody I follow. It's just, I, my road's over there and I'm going to go there. Anybody's welcome. Is he all over there? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to go follow me for all I have a, no, just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, be here now is right. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing you're sure of is that you have this existence. That's, that's what I know. I have, you know, I'm an atheist, so it's like, all right, when I die, mulch me or whatever, use me to grow some, some, some nurturing food for people, put some of me at the base of a fruit tree. Let there be beautiful, healthy, fat fruit coming from ashes to ashes. Right. Also true. You know, and it's, it's a, it, we have become as a species, I think, we take ourselves so damn seriously oh, yeah. and we use so much of what's out there. The virus is not the disease. The virus is the antibody that's mm-hmm. been released by nature because we're the disease. Well, I, I think human yeah. beings. We, and read Mar- Laurie Garrett's The Coming Plague, please. Right. Uh, she wrote this in, in the 90s and she could have written it last week. Uh, you, wow. you know, it, I think human beings, humanity has a narcissistic complex issue. Oh, all of us. And, oh, and, absolutely. And so it's, it's in the vein. It's in, you know. here's the thing, though. 
we're part of the universal mind. We are all the same thing, experiencing itself over and over again in these multiple different forms, whatever that is, this energetic field that we all live in. We also live on a planet that is alive and breathing and moving and changing. And to think that we're separate from that thing or outside of it is silly. We're part of it. And I don't know about you ladies, but I have received messages from that thing that tell me not to worry that tell me like, I am way bigger than you can even imagine, man. I, my mind is so far beyond what you can even comprehend. You can't even think of what I'm thinking of. So your concerns and worries and strife are nothing. Don't worry about it. I got this, you know, and it's when I forget that it's when I separate myself and feel like I'm alone and take myself out of that field. That's when I'm having problems of being bummed out and feeling isolated and worried about COVID and 9,000 other things at the same time. But as soon as I remember that and I'm like, Oh shit, <laughs> this thing is no, way it, bigger it's than me. Right. I think it's, it's a, it's going to, what literally what is going to be is going to be. We have, we have as a species created the situation mm-hmm. that both the planet and we are in. I don't, yeah, I don't think the problem is thinking that the species thinking that we're separate from nature or not a part of it. I think our problem, the big problem, the lethal problem, is the fact that the species thinks that somehow we are above it. Oh shit! That we can, you know, that it, it is it is ours yeah. to manipulate. Well, you know what? George Carlin summed it up. <laughs> can I say one? Can I use one of the seven words here in a quote? Please, absolutely. Language you like? Yeah. George Carlin said. George Carlin said in quote. He says. Oh, save the planet, save the planet. The planet's fine. We're fucked. Mm-hmm. But the planet is fine. It's, oh, yeah. the, the bottom line is that, and he, and he follows that up with, you know, when, when the Earth gets tired of us as a species, shake us she'll off. shake us off like a bad case of fleas. Yep. He's right. Wow. It was right. Absolutely. You know, so, I mean, for me, it's again, it's, not, it's, it's just, I'm, I am, I am here. And while I'm here, the only certainty I've got is that I am here now. What happens? What happens when I stop functioning and die? You know, it, everything in the end eventually goes back to being part of the planet, and human consciousness forgets damn near everything as time moves on. Yes, there there have been times, and I know again I'm in a, I'm in a huge minority here, but again I'm not going to lie about it. There have been times, especially early on in this virus, when I would look at, at, you know, a news crawl and see that there were dolphins swimming in the Mm -hmm. Grand Canal in Venice. I've been to Venice. You know, I've lived in in Europe for a while. And there were dolphins and swans swimming in the Grand Canal in Venice. There are pictures of the beach at Copacabana, which has been filthy and unswimmable, literally toxic to swimming for 50 years. And the beach is clean and the water is clear. And, you know, there are times listening to, listening to the quiet, listening to the fact that, that I, we didn't have, you know, somebody on, on, on a motorbike letting it run for 10 minutes across the street. Nobody was out <laughs> screaming in their garden, just drinking in that lovely quiet. And there are times where I'm going, well, you know, this may be it. 
nature may have finally figured out a way. All those dead spots on, on, on the planet's skin, big concrete pads, the cities, she may have found a way to just, ooh, this, she's been looking for an antibody for a long time. You saw it with AIDS. Um, may have succeeded with this one, at least in, in controlling things and damping us down a little. Because let's face it, I, I would kind of like to know if anybody can think of a single thing that humanity as a species, anywhere in history right up to now, anything that we as a species have contributed to this planet that was not done for our own benefit. Have we, every, everything, <laughs> anybody? Yeah, that, no. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say music, that? but nope, I shut the fuck up. Nope. Nope. Oh, That's the thing. You're absolutely right. We, we, we are, narcissism is, is bred into this species and we reinforce that with religion. Okay. Oh, yeah. We we have we have a we have a big old sky pixie with a, a serious set of gonads and a big old stick. Yeah. And we, will, we, will, we will enforce what we want on you because your invisible sky pixie doesn't have as big a stick, or at least we don't think so. Okay. And we fight because my Easter bunny is different than your Easter bunny. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is when we did a nasty women show. It was me and Lauren and Kathleen. Now Kathleen is very pragmatic. She, she's 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 brilliant. Oh my god, you know. But she's like she, she she takes the nice, cautious. Well, I don't know, maybe, but I'm gonna have to wait and watch and see, you know. And we we did it. We did a gig with the three of us, and we each we each had three original songs, and we picked one cover that we wanted to do, you know. And, and, and having rehearsed, you know, ahead of time, when I was introducing everybody at, at the show, I said it's a funny thing. I said. Lauren's stuff is all hopeful. We need to get this together. It's going to be fine. We can do this. You know, this is we, we, can, we can we can we can be we can be righteousness. We can be connectivity. We can you know. She's really hopeful. Kathleen is watching, going, nodding, going, "Yep, hopeful's good." Of course, I'm really not sure what's on the other side of that. So let's wait and see what happens. And I said, "Me." Um, we're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have that one not so hopeful song about being involved with the toxic bachelor who's never gonna die. But yeah, <laughs> I have a. <laughs> I got my dark side too. You know, I think I just get hit balance of yin and yang. <laughs> yeah, Lauren does balance it. You know, does balance it a lot better. I I, I approach the gray line in between the two, going. Shadowland. I'm gonna go sit in that for a while, you know, and, and just woo. Yeah, it's it's it, it, uh, it makes for an interesting balance when nasty women are playing live. So it, it back really to does. these nasty women, um, <laughs> Deb. Mm -hmm. When you when we first opened up, you were talking about feminism and. Um, what I and and of course this is this is opinion. This is this is why we have you on the show. We want to hear your opinions. These are not facts, mm -hmm. but. I want to talk a little bit about the feminism before we leave, because I, um, 
I am in my 40s, so I was not in those, that, those times in the 60s when, you know, we're right. burning our bras and stuff like that. That's history to me. It's not it's it's not personal like it happened it, to it me. It was then. Yes, yeah. exactly. No, time, time moves. Everything right? moves with it. So mm-hmm. also, I think that all three of us, you, Lauren and myself, have all been in love with men, good men. We've known great men. We've also known yep. probably pretty shitty ass men as well. And what I would like to talk about and get both of your opinions on and thoughts is how do we as strong women who want to be heard demand to be heard and have really amazing things to say and how do we collaborate instead of toss aside that male and that patriarchal way how do we collaborate into something that's bigger than just female on top or male on top how do we merge that two in a positive manner and go forward and utilize both of our strengths instead of one side are, are, are you talking creatively or, or I'm talking about like well we're talking about you know I mean this whole thing is about creativity in the music but I'm talking about maybe evolutionary may, maybe creatively oh, yeah. maybe musically maybe any kind of way that you feel like would be a, a grand impact Okay. Um, Lauren, you want to go first? Yeah. You know, for me personally, I, I am, uh, I, I um, have been, a, I'm a widow and I, I made this attempt to love again and uh, got involved with a true, true serial narcissist. Um, and I did not see it coming because I was loved by a great man. Uh, so I'm, you know, this has been four months now, and I'm re- still recovering emotionally from this emotional abuse. I'm sorry and, to hear that, Lauren. Thank you. I, I got a couple of good songs out of it, so okay, <laughs> cool, <Yeah>. right on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I'm, I'm trying to realize, and one of the the Zondas, uh, meditations that I was doing is this morning before we did the podcast was on love and hate. Um, because I've been feeling this, like, I hate him, I hate him. And I even ran into him this week at, at a jazz gig. Um, and we did not speak. And I'm surrounded by all these other men. My daughter has witnessed this bad relationship fallout. She had a fantastic role model and a father, but that's been so long. Um, so the last role model she had was this, you know, piece of crap. Um, and what I'm realizing is that we, we've got to let go if, we, if we're going to meet halfway and be that yin-yang and where females' voices are heard and valued, we have to keep walking and we have to keep communicating. And we do need to let go of the hate and have that be a watershed. Um, I went to an open jam that I go to on Tuesday nights down here in Mobile, Alabama, and, and the South is very patriarchal. Um, and, you know, I'm the only woman that shows up with the act to play, and there's like 50 men in the room. And these guys respect me. They give me the floor. They give me due time. And I think it's just a matter of, of women continuing to put ourselves out there and be, be heard. They will listen, the, the male energies, because, you know, women have male energies, too. Men have female energies. Men, most of men are not as in touch with their female side. Um, but I think, you know, Deb is, is very well-rounded. Um, you know, my mom is another one who's got a very 
balance uh, male and female energy to herself. And it, I think it's just up to, up to us gals out here to continue to do the work um, to show them that we, yes, we are smart. We are equal. We have voices. We need to be heard. We will not put up with this stuff like Twitter like last week with, what was it, April 24th, the National Rape Day? No, Isn't we're not going to put up with no. that. Yeah. Did y'all hear about that? I did not hear yep. about that. No. Thank goodness yeah, I didn't. I did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I avoided because it really would have been no point when, uh, when, when I get vicious. <laughs> my words, as, as Taylor Swift, who I adore, says, um, my words shoot to kill when I'm mad. <laughs> Don't, yeah. Do not try this stuff on me. I think you are crunchy and good with ketchup. You know? <laughs> you know, importantly, never, never quit. Never throw in the towel. Keep walking forward. Keep doing what you can do to make your voice heard. Um, that you know, that's not screaming, crying, throwing fits. That is being a logical, rational human being that can explain your side of the coin and, and living by example. So these other young girls coming up the pike go, well, she can do it, I can do it, and that's how we do it. We walk with grace, we walk with pride, we walk with strength, we walk softly, and we carry a big stick. Yes. See, that's exactly what, what you just said. Make your voice heard, and there's other women coming underneath us who need an example. And that's exactly why I asked this question because honestly, yeah. it's really easy to jump on one sided train and just go for broke. And I'm not down for an easy answer. You're right. You just said it in so many ways, do the work, let go of the hate. These are hard things to do, but it's what's necessary. Um, it is. And you know, women that also give birth to sons, they can have a great impact on the future of how they raise these young men and they're coming up too. So, you know, this is all about balance and communication mm. and nurturing. All right, Deb, you're up. Ah, well, I'm, I'm going to start off with an example of something that really happened a couple of years ago. Um, Lauren will remember this. Uh, my issue is that misogyny is seeped in, in this, this, this the, the Western world. At this point, the Eastern world, humanity, is soaked, macerating, marinating in misogyny. It is. It has. You turn on a television commercial. You know, it's going to be in there. Mm -hmm. You 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 pick up this 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 now accused of rape biographer of Philip Roth, who himself was like a complete ugh. And the whole thing. Oh yeah, blame his wife. She has clogged sinuses, and how dare she interrupt him to go out and get something he forgot to get for his dinner? And that's you turn on an old sitcom. Misogyny is just it just runs through. And here's an example recent that Lauren can attest to, and I'm, I'm she will remember this phone call. Um, I'm I've been happy I've been happily married, you know, since 1983. I'm big on partnering. I like men. The patriarchy has nothing to do with individual men. The patriarchy yeah. is a power structure, yeah. and that's what has to be called down. Now, here is what I mean, and I think this is definitely a case. It's a small thing, but making our voices heard. Um, our friend Mark Cameron, guitar player, whom we both love, you know, produces things and plays on both our albums, and, and it's just, yeah. And he had put a band together for an in-studio thing, and chose as the closing song 
for some godforsaken bloody stupid ass reason I cannot figure out, decided that they were going to do Good Morning Little Schoolgirl. This was the week, the week of Time Was Up, okay? And he's doing Good Morning Little Schoolgirl, which was written in the 30s by a guy in his 20s. And yeah, it was creepy even then, but this mm-hmm. was, was written by one of the great black musicians. This was uh, Sonny Roy Williamson. Um, you know, and the modern version of that is was done by Pigpen when the dead did it. Now, Pig was my closest friend in that collective, and even I called him and I said, what a creepy song. What are you doing that for? And he, that 1971 was not the time to have that discussion. Right. It yeah. was not being heard. Okay. Um, but, you know, after the show, I took Mark aside and I said, um, just to let you know, you might want to consider losing that one from your repertoire because it's, you know, it's unbelievably creepy. And, uh, you know, I was, I was sitting next to a good friend of both of ours, female, and she was sitting there muttering. I was like, is he fucking kidding with this song? You know? Mm. Um, and he said at the time, he said, I, I, I can't listen to that right now. I said, can you, can you, can you afford to uh, lose half your audience right now? Because I can tell you that every woman in this room wants to smack you. What the hell? Why, why is a 60-plus-year-old guy singing a song about stalking a schoolgirl, following her home, getting her parents dressed, and then raping her whether she wants him to or not? Because that's what the song's about. Go look at the lyric. And and the modern, crunchy Big Pens version made it even worse. Um, you know, and I just said, it, and he said, well, this is censorship. I said, you might want to look up the meaning of that word. Censorship is a legal term. Lenny Bruce was censored because there were rules in place that said you can't use the seven words on, you know, public television. And you did. I can't censor you. Nobody can censor you. We don't have the power to make you stop doing that. What we're doing is trying to get you to raise your goddamn consciousness. Pay attention to the lyrics of what you are putting out in the world. It's called responsibility. Yeah, what everyone's listening to and singing to. This is it. Take ownership of what you put out into the world. Okay, this is what you're manifesting. And, you know, went to, went to a show a few months later in Fairfax, and they did the song again. Mm. And wow. I stood up, I was sitting at the front table. I, just, I, don't, I don't stay quiet under situations like this because this is how misogyny is perpetrated. Women staying quiet. Out in the open. I was, I was sitting, I was sitting at the front table. I stood up, picked up my coat, smiled, and lifted my middle finger said, fuck you, and walked out. Got outside and exploded with, it was like, you're kidding me, right? And went up and I posted about it without naming names on Facebook and we there was a fabulous discussion, people popping in going, you know, if you love the riff, because it's a really good crunchy riff, write new lyrics to it. Absolutely. Keep the riff, you know, and this is the thing. Um, and the thing is, Mark, and, and Mark is a guy who listens. He pays attention. That second time, I put that on Facebook, and I said, okay, to all of my male musician friends who are still doing Good Morning Little Schoolgirl, I'll make you a proposition. I'll stop nagging you. I'll never mention this again. If you sing it, Good Morning Little Schoolboy, can I come along with you? I want to hear you scream. I want to hear you moan. Of course you wouldn't sing that. You know why? Because you don't think you have a right to boys' bodies. 
Wow. Would you sing Good Morning Little Black Girl using a euphemism? Of course not. You know, you're not a racist. Would you, would you, you know, would you, would you, any number of ethnic insults, would you do that? And of course you wouldn't. But it's okay for a little schoolgirl because on some level, this society has trained you to think that you have the right to her body. And yes, I talk about this in the line of notes. You bet I do. Wow. Wow, Dan. Get over it, guys. That- <clears throat> and Mark listened. And, you know, First, he texted me and he said, hey, Dad, because I can drop schoolgirl from my, from my repertoire. And I said, look, if you're doing this just to shut me up or make me happy, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Mm. That's not where I'm going with this. And he listened to that. And he called, well, what did he say, like 30 of his, of his female musician friends? Yeah. And he said only two of them thought it was probably okay to do the song. And the rest of us all said, you're doing what? Have you listened to that damn song? I said, yeah, would you sing that song to Polly Cross's father? That's oh. how the guy who kidnapped her and, and, and raped her and murdered her knew where to find her and knew which window was hers. Hey, little school girl, I'm going to follow you home in my car for weeks. It's called Elizabeth stalking. Smart. It's, called, it's called stalking. Be aware of it when, when you see it and call it out, male or female. Guys, guys, there's so many. I think the majority of men out there are actually horrified or would be horrified by by the crap that the patriarchy gets away with and imposes because it, it fits what they want to do, which is total power and total control. That's what the that's what, that's 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 what the abortion debate is about. Same thing as, as the, the witch on trials in Salem. You know, Deb, this is power you made... over women's reproductive systems, and we have to call that stuff out. And men, the men out there who are our allies, the bad hombres, I love them. I love them so much. That's what I was going to say. Thank you guys for being allies. Being allies. What, what you said, I love how you put it, because you said patriarchy and men are two different things. And what's yeah. happened is we've bled both of them together and we all have both male and females have that female and male side in us. And oh, there are, there are right? women out there propping up the patriarchy, hoping for scraps from the table. Oh yeah. My mom, <laughs> my mom's part of the patriarchy. So yes, I, I am very well aware, but yeah. that, you ladies gave such thoughtful and thought provoking and real meet answers um to that very different and very applicable both of them let's separate the bullshit and let's bring up our right let's let's focus on what's really the issue and the patriarchy that system that is what we're trying to tear down and we are trying to bring value and a voice to women who have we need it we need that right now and so thank you for what Aaron was saying earlier, bringing something to our audience that we so desperately need is good opinions, fair opinions, something that's going to change a life instead of make you feel worse and keep you drowning in it. And that's what you ladies are doing with your music. And that's what you're doing with your activism. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for making me proud of a wonderful conversation between you two today. Thank you. Oh, it's, 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 it's been, you know, it's definitely, my pleasure is an overused phrase, but in this case, you know, this, this is, this is for real. I mean, it is real. It's not something, it's not, it's not something that you can just fall off and expect to fix itself. 
very quickly how I, what happened to me when I was 13. My father knew damn well that I only believed things and understood things with the brain if I experienced them personally. Classic white brain learner. Um, and we were watching some of the protests from Alabama, <laughs> 1967. I was 13. And I made a really dumb remark because so many of our friends are black musicians, right? I just looked at this and I said, oh, come on. Nobody, nobody is stupid enough to think like these white guys. Who thinks? Nobody thinks like that. Boom. Three days later, I'm on a little charter bus with a bunch of my sister's college friends because she's nine years my senior. She wasn't there, a smart girl. Um, but this is like urban league and, you know, well-meaning, you know, college kids heading across the George Washington Bridge, just as in New York City, to New Jersey, to one of the little tiny pea towns out there, Patterson, Passaic, something. One of these small towns. And what was going on as the, the leader of this little college group expedition was earnestly explaining was that there was a storefront in, in you know, areas in one of these towns that was uh, being used as a, as a sort of a tabernacle, as a, a meeting place for the local black, black Baptist community because they did not have their own church. Um, and lo- recently they'd had reports that, you know, some of the, the local white cops, you know, who were mostly, you know, Irish Catholic in that neighborhood were coming out and harassing them as they left their services. Now, I'm an atheist. I've been an atheist since I was a kid. I also believe that you all get to believe in whatever invisible cloud deity you want to as long as you don't use it to harm other people. Right. Right? (laughs) And that means that if you're going into an out of your black Baptist tabernacle to worship whatever you want, you get to do that without being hassled. Right. Period. So I'm I'm 13. Everybody on the bus is, you know, 22. (laughs) And and they they are what I what what I'm I'm sorry, what I tend to think of is the Kumbaya crew. Let's all just join hands and sing Kumbaya. That's fine if everybody in that circle wants to do it. Mm-hmm. These white cops clearly did not. And he was, the guy's explaining, you know, if, if the cops show up, just interpose your bodies between them and the parishioners. And if the cop, you know, you know, tells you, bumps you or tells you to do something, you know, don't, don't resist. This is all, this is very Joan Baez, passive resistance. Can I just say, in case it's not already obvious, I don't do passive. Never have. No, really? Never will. <laughs> you know, I, I have no intention of going gentle into that good night. Screw a bunch of that. And even at 13, it was like, uh-uh, he's, he's kidding, right? Anybody lays a hand on me, they're going to die bloody. So it's like, you know, they and you watched, you know, the parishioners coming out. And, you know, they obviously, the, the, the group of uh, college kids who really did mean well and were trying to do the right thing, you know, had done this before. I knew the person recognized them, and they gave you introduced to me at the door, and it was like, uh-oh. And, you know, here's a group, four or five cops in uniform with their little nightsticks, and they're just, you know, they're just, like, smiling. And, you know, they, you know, can, they started escorting people out, and they're, you know, walking them through. They were going, you know, a couple of minutes in, first cop comes over, and he starts jabbing, you know, one of the parishioners with his nightstick, and, and guy interposes his body, and the guy gets, you know, tossed to the ground, handcuffed, and he's like, I'm just going to resist. And, you know, I turned around, and this cop grabs me by the shoulder, and I turned around swinging. That's instinctive for me. I, I, I got raped as a kid, and 
you know, <laughs> um, my father did cult event stuff and said, this is what you do. You know, mm-hmm. okay, that's now programmed. I don't do passive. Um, so I, I turned around screen, I smacked him. Wow. You know, next thing I knew, I'm looking at the sidewalk, wow. you know, and he's got one arm twisted up behind my back and he's, you know, smacking me lightly over the kidneys because, he, you know, somebody beats you up over the kidneys, it doesn't bruise, harder to prove. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to use the N-word here because that was the vernacular of the day, okay? When, you know, if the cops or any, any of the biggest out there, they wanted to call you a name, they call you a that's what they would do. That's what these stupid people used as terminology. Gross. Well, we were in the middle of something that was based on race. That's not what this cop was saying. As he, you know, tapped me <laughs> repeatedly over the kidneys with his 10-inch nightstick. And what he was saying was, you better learn your place, you little bitch. Jesus now, I may Christ. have been 13, but I recognized a symbolic rape when I was being subjected to one. Oh, wow. That pretty much cemented that. So I got home, told my father what had happened. He said, okay, so now you came away with it, not needing, away from it, with two things you no longer need proved. And I said, yeah, and my back hurts. (laughs) But that was that. That was that. You know? Um, you You can be passive, you can be, you know, medium, you can be aggressive, Say it, do it, make your voice heard. You know, I, if, if, you know, I mean, I, at least I'm pleased that I got one good smack in. Okay. <laughs> I don't regret it to this day. You know, um, it's, 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 it's a thing. I had to spend years training myself to not just tense up at the sight of a cop. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, Deb, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that powerful story and for, saving it for us all these years to maybe ignite some inner fire in somebody else who's listening. You definitely have ignited a lot of fire in me today. And both you and Lauren, thank you so much for spending time with us. And and the world needs us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like sharing openly about the grief of losing your husband and sharing openly about your successful marriage and your strengths and what you've gone through. Like this is something this is something for the history books. Thank you. Hey, thanks uh, for having us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, now, I, yeah. I can't wait yeah. to be able to the day so we and get to see you ladies perform and just be moved and give by you the a energy. Hug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, and we Works would, for me. We would be remiss if we did not. <clears throat> we At the end of this, we need to thank our mutual uh, friends, uh, Dennis McNally and Susanna. We, we, they are a very wonderful thing that has happened to this podcast, getting to meet them at Skull and Roses in April 2019. Dennis is such an awesome human being. He took us under his wing, kind of not knowing us, and our friendship has grown over the years, and it's things like this that reinforce what he is about, what you women are about. Uh, this is just 
thank you so much for joining us. This is this is it's, this it's, is the emotion. This is the emotion. It's been a pleasure and an honor and a good yeah. conversation. Yeah. It really has been. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. This is this is definitely like one that this is food for thought. This is something that oh, people yeah. will listen to. That's the next album. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> food for thought, fudge for thought. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I want some of that fudge too. By yeah. the way, well, you know, email me with your address because I mail it out every day. Oh my, oh my god! Okay, okay, you deal. It's the best. Very, oh. very. It is foreign, foreign ingredient. Lauren, Lauren knows about the fudge. <laughs> for for four ingredients, it's a cooked fudge. It is Pasha organic, eighty five percent dark chocolate. I don't do milk chocolate. Milk chocolate tastes like soup to me. Okay. Dark chocolate. Uh, organic condensed sweetened milk, organic vanilla bean, and I use organic roasted cacao nibs for the crunch because I'm allergic to nuts, but I do like a little crunch in the fudge. Wow. It's a cooked fudge. And the nice thing is my husband is a type 2 diabetic, so I have figured out over the years if I make a pan of 64 slices, 64 pieces, you know, that, that each piece is worth between six and eight carbs grams of carbohydrate wow the only sugar in this is the only sugar in it is what, what's in the milk um if i do a pan of 72 it goes down to four to six grams of carb per bite and you know it's it's not it's not a vegan food you know it's got condensed milk in it but it is uh yeah well, that's it, why it's a treat this was it, oh it is a treat this is it also the nice thing is i mean i used to to make this back in the touring days um you know, I would make make pounds of it for David Lindley when he was playing up here because he'd be driving, you know, sixty or seventy miles after a show to get to where he was going. Right. And you know, it's one o'clock in the morning, and he's just played for three hours, and it was like the thing about dark chocolate is that it, the, the darker the chocolate, the lower the caffeine percentage. What it does have is the the basically the precursor to caffeine which is theobromine, which is why it's deadly for dogs and cats, dark right, chocolate. Right. But instead of the big peak and then boom, you know, you come down with a crash that you get from caffeine, mm-hmm. theobromine take you up to a plateau, leave you there, and then it levels out so that you can sleep when you get home. Um, of course, the trick there is to not eat 24 of them <laughs> in one sitting, um, which he has been known to do. Uh, it's been discouraged. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but that's, yeah, no, send me, send me, send me the address and I'll get you a batch out. Right oh, on, Deb. The best. We'll, make a, we'll make a trade. All right, you ladies. You guys take care. Enjoy the rest of your beautiful day. You bet. Hey, thank you. I'm all Thanks for having us, guys. Right on. Have a wonderful <laughs> afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Lauren. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Deb. Bye.
was a trip the wonderful women man <sighs> wonderful and that was something I, special yeah i wasn't um i i didn't know we were gonna get that uh even a little bit this is why it's so you know okay in the very beginning you know okay here we go well Set in the very up, beginning no. of the show there was a lot of uh, musicians that were on that I had no idea who they were. And then I'd be like, Oh, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what I'm going to say or what I'm going to talk about or whatever. And then we'd get them on and it'd be like amazing. Yeah. And this was no exception. Not that I was like, Oh, I, what I mean is I've grown beyond that and realizing that who we have on who these musicians everybody has this beautiful individual creative mind and what we get to pull out of them as a group is my favorite part of why we do this. 
And I guess I'm talking to myself because the guys are fucking around. No, no, I no, wasn't fucking to around. I didn't he know asked if they were. If they I were just thought they were still on the line. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm fucking around. <laughs> Never mind. That was it. okay. I, that was very distracting when I was trying to say something like. Oh, really. Were, okay, sorry. I didn't know. Yeah, having an outcome like that going into something that you have no idea what's going to go down. I mean, I know how you feel about get going into the interview not knowing what you're going to say because that's a thing that I've dealt with from the jump. But it's that's not kind about, of a, it's not, kind about of not knowing what to say. It's really like what, who are like, you know, if somebody just randomly wanted to interview me, what do they know about me? What are they going to pull out of me? But what, you're like, a person with a whole life and exactly, stories. And, exactly. Yeah. My point was that yeah, you don't, seeing it in a different way. Yeah. And this, we didn't know what was going to happen. And that, I mean, man, that was a lot. That was a lot. But for lack of better where I had thought wanted to say way. something for no that was that was that was something that really needed to be heard and hearing them talk about the patriarch thing and all that and st- it that's just very heavy I, I really like what she said about it's not men and that it's a system of thinking that I've never heard it expressed like that I've always heard and, it. And to me, too, it's a broken, screwed way. up system that's weak right now, and we need to fucking break it. It's very, very. <sighs> it's um, played out. Detri- it's like not detrimental. Well, it is, but it's very feeble at this point. It's been. It's a bunch of old white dudes. Yeah. Well. I don't know, man. It, it, I've realized, like, we can. It's just like meeting somebody on in the grocery store line. We just so happen to be talking on microphones and recording it. Like you can have a conversation with anybody. Everybody's interesting for the most part. I mean, yeah, there, most, there's boring most. people out there. But, well, but what they show you, even a boring person can show an interesting side of themselves. And it's really what we get to pull out during the conversation based on what you're into or based on what's interesting you at the, the time and t- in order to ask them sometimes you don't like I would have never asked about that feminism to another female necessarily but Deb was so it was so important to her and it was such a a keystone to who she is and how she's grown up that I want to hear that from somebody that it's important to if some it's a second thought or third thought for somebody maybe the answer won't be as interesting but Deb was fired up about it so hearing something, an answer from somebody who's fired up about that subject, that's a whole other experience that I, we would have gotten from somebody else. I get the feeling that Deb yeah, that, is fired up. That was that was a warrior. The patriarchal society created a warrior in, yeah. in this oh, yeah. woman. And that's awesome to hear. It, wow. Well, I mean, it, it's tough, too, because there's so much we didn't talk about. Like she just in passing said that she was buddies with Pigpen. Yeah. Like I, I have a million questions about that. A million, but we only have so much time. And well, and this was about yeah. And then this was about them. Yeah. It was, wasn't about a million stories about Pigpen. No. Who 
when it was brought up, she wasn't happy with and, him for what he did. And I'll tell you what, you know, man, I, that, I've thought that about that song before. And I think we've even mentioned we've t- that's yeah. It's a creepy song. It's fucking creepy. There's, There's no no way around it. A lot it. of the standards from the 20s, 30s, oh, yeah. 40s that people maybe that, it's cold outside. That are, they're trying to get, yeah. that are trying to keep like we got to keep this stuff a lot. No, no, that's some creepy shit, man. Well, and I think that's what's funny is that all of us have mindlessly sang to songs that are disturbing oh, yeah. without taking a second thought at the lyrics or where they came from or like the, think about that like it's not just we're singing it now where the heck did whoever wrote this and wrote music for it where did that where are you come coming from? from man yeah. yeah what times the words were written in what strifes in sure. the world were going on what was being addressed and now it's yeah yeah that, that's like it's like a like milk this shit don't age well it's, it's all curdled fucking green fuzz all over it now open up the carton and take a whiff and oh boy oof well uh, they just think into like that like how it kind of wound down think i mean they like they're saying one of their best friends that has yeah, a band yeah, yeah. was not hearing them at first and they were persistent and ended up getting through like dude we love you you're not paying attention to what you're fucking doing yeah, there's and a, they finally did. There's a, a fine line between like I'm just I'm just singing a song and well no it'd be rad if um you know shit. we could interview some uh, a male counterpart that's as excited about feminism in that way it'd be rad because you know he, this is gonna sound silly and off the cuff. We should get Nako back on the show. Mm. He's going. I saw a thing on Instagram the other day, and he is going through counseling and yeah, wait till he's gotten through it. Has a coach and is like all about what she was just talking about. So, I think that might be an interesting idea once he gets through it and yeah. sees what happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not now, not tomorrow, but that would maybe be good. That's the first person that I thought of because I just saw that yesterday. But, um, yeah. Wow, you guys. All right, ladies, maybe this episode will be called Food for Thought since you gave us so much. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for your free self-expression. Thanks for putting out powerful music into the airwaves and and thanks for being yourselves yeah for being you unapologetically yourselves it's and a the beautiful same, thing same thing goes for all of yeah. you listening too. be yourself don't, don't 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 be somebody else be yourself it's okay it really is there because there's not like a whole bunch of you running around there's only one and it's okay. Unless yourself is an asshole, then be better. Yeah, don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my be last better thing than that. I want to add, it's just, just like I always do, go on over to YouTube, watch that March 26, 2021 at Sweetwater, three-hour performance. You'll see these ladies and their backup fellas and everything in full action. Yeah, in their glory. It's, it's storytelling. I loved it because she talks in between songs and kind of, tells little stories and stuff too and make sure to go check out those liner notes because i know i'm gonna liner do notes and take care of each other and smile at a stranger wash your hands hydrate eat good food this week don't don't eat junk i mean you can have a little but not a lot dates in your smoothie and drink water 
And uh, we'll see you next week with more stuff and things. We love you guys. Peace. 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 tell you about the april may 2023 issue of relics magazine features a dave matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the national graham nash wayne shorter alo ivan neville our friend eric krasno and stanton moore marty stewart and much more check out the latest version of relics and subscribe now at relics.com dmb thanks relics reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.